Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. It's a bit different today as I'm joined by a number of guests. I've got three guests here with me to talk about the Digital Futures program, which has been set up by UTC Heathrow and a number of different organizations. So my guests today are Mike Hook from LMG, Mike Halliday from UTC and ALET, a lot of acronyms, Mike, <laughs> and Candace Rose of UTC Heathrow. So the idea today is to try and get a really good picture about the Digital Futures program, find out what you guys are doing and spread the message with, with all the listeners to hopefully generate a, a good level of activity. Before we start, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself, say who you are, what you do, and what your role is? Um, Mike Hook, start with you. Thanks, Andy. Um, my name's Mike Hook. I'm a, a owner and director of LMG. Um, we are digital infrastructure specialists, and we uh, build, um, uh, design, build, and operate um, smart buildings uh, and smart data centers. Obviously, working on behalf of some of the main data center operators in the industry, uh, we provide their smart systems, which allow them to manage their data centers. Excellent. Mike Halliday, over to you. Hi, Andy. Yeah, my name's Mike Halliday. Um, I work for Alit, which is a multi-academy trust, which includes UTC Heathrow and a number of other UTCs. And my role is to devise, design and deliver programs to enable employers to engage with young people and get them ready for great careers. It's nice to be here. Excellent. And Candace, last but very not li- by no means least. Hi, nice to meet you, Andy. Um, my name is Candace Rose. I work at UTC Heathrow. I've just recently, um, I'm not recently joined at UTC Heathrow, but I recently took on the post as employee engagement lead. Um, so I'm responsible. I'm like the, the middleman between the employees and the school. So, yeah. You've got the hard role within it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she makes, she makes our lives very, very, very difficult, don't you, Candace? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm the one chasing everyone down, making sure our workshops are great. So, yeah. Excellent. And we'll obviously hear more about that shortly. But I would normally go into each of your careers, but we're not going to do that today because we're obviously time time limited and we want to get as much info as we can about the programme. So to start with, Mike Halliday, do you want to just outline the programme, kind of what it is, how it materialised and, you know, why it came about? Thanks, Andy. Yeah, I'd love to. The the whole concept of digital futures uh, came about as a result of a a meeting between uh, myself and Andrew Stevens, who's CEO of CNET Training. Uh, I know Andrew on the the education circuit. He's involved with with education anyway. Uh, And over the years, he's he's attempted to introduce us to data centre operators on a one-to-one basis, which haven't really had a strategic impact, impact that we would have wanted. So... We made a decision uh, back at the end of 2019 that we were going to uh, ask all of the data center operators and some of their partners uh, into the same room uh, with the support of Tech UK as a convening authority. Um, ultimately, the intention was that uh, we would take advantage of an opportunity at UTC Heathrow, um, particularly given the great unpleasantness last year and how uh, air travel was being impacted. Uh, And the UTC was uh, finding that what it needed was uh, some engineering partners 
uh, that had a need for the next generation of, of young engineers. So that's really how it came about. We were very fortunate in that we immediately identified an awful lot of goodwill uh, and a common need amongst the employers within this sector. Everyone knows there's a skills gap. Everyone's trying the same tactics and techniques that a lot of other industries are, Andy. You know, data centers are not the only organizations that need engineering skills. Uh, but what we were quite struck by was, you know, the progressive outlook of this industry to want to work together to make a difference. So once we had that commitment, we were able to start thinking about how we would utilize the resource and financial commitment of the partners to put the program to, together uh, to create a seamless learning journey for students that would ultimately be able to, to churn out the young engineers that the industry needs. And I think it's really interesting because I've, I was counting earlier, I've done about 62 of these episodes now, and I think the majority of guests that I speak with that are at the level where they have a, an influence, I guess, into the, the hiring strategy and the education and training have all said that collaboration is the key to solving the problem. And I always question the, you know, that because I say, well, what are you doing about it to collaborate with other people? And I think what this demonstrates, and when I saw the news and I'd heard about it before it was kind of announced, I was just really impressed that, a, that you'd managed to get all these people in a room together to have the conversation, but also B, that they'd all committed to doing it. I think that's a massive game changer for, for any industry that the people that talk about it are now doing, and that's the only way we're going to ever solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's common for all of us in the data centre industry. There is a, Everyone's seen the skills gap, and we know we've got to fix it. It's our, it's our duty to do that. And when um, Mike and um, uh, Andrew came to see us with what they told us about why the skills gap is there and the huge the huge issue with the current curriculum and how it's no longer fit for purpose. It all totally made sense, the decline in engineering skills and technical skills and, you know, just the general lack of creativity in the current curriculum and how they were going to be, go about changing this. It sort of really, really, you know, it, it lit something inside all of us. I know it did. Yeah, and I think that's what's really important because I say everybody is passionate about it, aren't they? Everyone I yeah. talk to is really passionate about solving this problem, but you can't just talk about things. You've got to get out there and do it. And this is why I wanted to highlight this because it's an example of what you can do if you do actually all get in a room, talk about it. Yes, you need to invest in it, but the cost is far outweighed by the benefits as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. I think that actually the... Uh, you know, the, the financial investment of each organisation was was probably the one that had the least friction in terms of, uh, it wasn't quite as easy as everyone got in a room and within half an hour we had a decision. I'll be honest with you, Andy. Um, but actually, what we found was that, that every conversation that we had over the course of about six months, really, uh, was positive. You know, uh, we did actually, we, we now have eight founding partners, right? And the target is 10, which is, probably the capacity that Canbase has to look after and, and account manage the needs of industry, okay? We did speak to more than, than eight partners. Not everybody said yes immediately, uh, but we would view the eight, the eight that are on board, uh, including Mike that's on the call today, as, as those people that just decided, you know, we're, we're going to take the first step. We're going to attempt something that hasn't been done before 
and, and that was what really gave us a lot of confidence. We talk in terms. So uh, through the summer term of this academic year, from May to July, you know, we at the UTC were, um, you know, filled with in- increasing confidence about what the scope and scale of the programme could look like. Uh, and we, we had a number of really interesting meetings where the partners were, were all around a virtual table. I'll use the word negotiating, negotiating the scope of the new curriculum, right? Because this yeah. was this was a really large part of the work in, in uh, getting. I don't, the, I, in I don't think the financial. Stuff. I don't think the financial contribution was ever in doubt. That was a that was a no-brainer. I think the the, the main challenge for for, for some of the um, partners and us being one of the smaller guys um, was the was the time. Um, to put into it. So personally, I've committed um, my time to this and and got some of other people involved. But the time, uh, 30 hours, isn't it, Mike, we've committed to as a minimum, um, giving the operation across the um, across the term time. But yeah, we, we've, we've got a lot out of it anyway, both from our personal point of view and our just engagement with the rest of the, um, the community that we've got there. I must, yeah, ex- I must correct Mike there because he's actually committed to 30 days. Sorry, so Dave, Dave, sorry, Dave, sorry, you know what I was just, just, just in case, Mike, that sticks in your mind. I've already done, I've already done for this, this term. Yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I think we'd all, we can all commit to the 30 hours side of it. But no, again, really impressive that people like, you know, like Mike and the other founding partners are committing that time as well. Because, like Mike says, time's, time's valuable. And hopefully we can, you, we can help you find those other two founding partners. We'll certainly do all we can to, to push it. Candace, we thought I'd have a, have a discussion with you now, but I know you're more involved on kind of how the programme works. So do you want to just give us a bit of a bit of detail about how it works in practice? Yeah, sure. So we have a number of different, I want to call them activities. So we have co-teach workshops um, where we have a workshop such as CV writing, interview skills, team working skills, presentation skills, etc., then we have something called the co-teach project. So the co-teach project is something that, as Mike said, was um, took some negotiating before we were able to start it. So that is where we had to blend in the curriculum with uh, the employers coming in and how they can teach the students. And so one of our biggest um, curriculum is BTEC engineering that's something that we offer to all of our students all of our sixth form students Um, and that is our the biggest student numbers that that enroll for that subject so um, with BTEC you have certain number of units and when it comes to the exam board they are quite strict with some of the units that you have to choose so I guess the negotiation part was what units are best when it comes to what employers teach what subjects so where I come in or that's that was Mike's part so where I come in is once we choose what what employer what partner is teaching doing what unit I'm basically the planning part where I plan the timings of the day how many students they see um, I kind of see how the activities are what may work what won't work you know I think part of it is big thing is student engagement we are working with um, students that had about two academic years of no face-to-face teaching and that did do a big impact so I think one of what one of my aims is to make sure that when we have a partner come in it is engaging for them they do enjoy it but alongside enjoying it they are learning and um, 
one of the other activities we did was the challenge day. So the challenge day was with our kids age four. So that age is 14 to 16. Um, um, Mike was there. Um, congratulations to Mike's team. Um, their team won the challenge day. So the challenge, the the, the layout of the challenge day was um, we had to split about 90 students into teams of about five or six students. And each team had their own mentor, let's say, and the mentors were our partners. And then their challenges were they had to choose an ideal location to build a data center. So their yeah. mentors were there to help them decide what locations was a good place. And I think here it was it, the guys at Virtus set this challenge, didn't they, Candace? And they did an excellent job. I must admit, from looking on it as a, as a partner from outside, um, Pat McLaughlin, wasn't it, and uh, his team. And um, yeah, yeah they, they they had a client, which I think was Netflix, wasn't it? Netflix was their client who was building a one megawatt data center. They gave us various parameters for it and everything else, and then gave us a number of different locations in Europe we could choose. Um, then it was a case of what the main component parts were and trying to do some costings for the for those various. And then the th third stage was how we design it and how we how we build this data center and and everything else around it. So it was a great realistic challenge. And um, yeah, they did. Uh, Candace and the um, and the Vertus team did an excellent job of of putting that forward. Yeah, I must like I must agree. That, I must admit that it was challenging for myself to to um, to plan a challenge day because we have we had started the topic of let's build a data center, but working with employers it, it's a big project. We have employers that are actually building data centers, and it's a month, months, years project. Can you imagine trying to put that down into what four or five hours for? 14 to 16 year olds and um that's probably where I personally struggled with and that's that's where the help and most was. most of them didn't know what data centers were did they Candace, really yeah it, so we had to educate them from the ground up and it was exactly. it was a challenge it was yeah it was yeah and I'm, I'm I'm sure it was a challenge for the employees as well because um it's it's not an industry that everyone knows it's not um for example as a school um in our name, we have Heathrow. So we do have a number of students that come in with the idea of, of I want to be a pilot or I want to study aeronautical. So they don't know of all the other different engineering sectors. And obviously one of them is the data center sector. So they are, so the employers are meeting students that have no idea about a data center. What is a data center? They don't understand that their phones is um, works from a data center. And so on the challenge day, you, you know, as Mike said, they start from the ground up. And I must admit, I was really proud of the students. I think the whole time they worked really well. They they were really professional. Um, they had good contributions. Each team had a laptop and they were like, you know, focused on the challenge. They were focused on the task. They did some good researching. Um, so, yeah, um, when it came to presenting as well, for us to choose the winning team, each team, as I said, each, each, each team had their own mentor. So for it to be something unbiased, we had to, we let the teams be judged by another mentor. Um, and for them, they had to present their findings, had to present their research, had to present their design of their data center to that other partner. 
I, um, think, uh, I think that was really key as well because it it showed them what employers would expect from an elevator pitch. Basically, they had to they had to deliver their findings in a very succinct for those three those three major tasks. They had to deliver that in five minutes to a standard yeah. that would impress an employer. And I think that that really did that has value far beyond data centers. That has value for their entire well potential careers. And I think that was an excellent choice. Yeah, um, Mike. I do you mind kind of explaining how the team that presented to you how you found it? Uh, obviously, I, I, I we couldn't have our own teams. Um, so um, obviously, I had a, a couple of uh, uh, we. Uh, we had two teams present to, to us and and all the uh, other um uh, partners had two teams as well and yeah they 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 um it was interesting to see the different ways they did it whether they wanted to all contribute or divided teams up and gave their um impression but generally i thought the standard was very high across the board um everyone gave it full effort um so yeah i was pretty impressed to be honest and and the detail they went into and the reasoning and their and, and their logic showed a showed a core engineering you know, focus. So yeah, I, I I thought they'd all they all done very well. And there's 16 teams and the competition as well. The competition between them was was um, was interesting to see. Um, uh, you know, you hear things about schools not uh, involved in competition anymore, but these guys are all competing against each other. And um, yeah, and the, and the prize was a. VIP tour around Virtus uh, Stockley Park. So, you know, that, that's a hell of a prize going down to Stockley Park. <laughs> mm. It's not easy. It's not easy getting in there. <laughs> no, it isn't. You're right there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so another part of my job is to make sure um, we're planning that trip well. So potentially January, um, depending on how the restrictions go so far. So. Yeah, I'm actually quite excited for the students to see it because not only did they do three wise through Challenge Day what data centre is, at least they get to physically see what a data centre is and how big or small it can be so, and how expensive it can be too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think, Andy, that, that probably leads into what perhaps is, is one of the most important components of, of a young person's learning journey and their preparation for the workplace and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will flinch at this uh, but really the you know the the work placement so we're speaking from the UK I'm sure you've got a global audience but in the UK young people between the ages of 16 to 18 they need to undertake a work placement in industry now what we found was that um, Generally, in industry, it's very hard getting work placements in engineering. It's just hard. You know, it's not like an office. It's different from a legal firm or, a you know, a call centre or something like that. Um, and particularly in the data centre environment, you know, there's a huge uh, sensitivity around a security clearance that's needed to enter some of these very, 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 you know, high-grade high secure locations. Uh, but... What we have found is that, that, that there is a clear will amongst our partners to, to help make this happen, right? Ultimately, and I, and I think this is a really key message, you know, what we are trying to achieve here, Andy, is to build a blueprint, right, that enables, you know, the same partners, an individual partner, a different set of partners, 
to engage with a university technical college or a college or a school and to go in and to deliver the same quality of education that these students are getting, right? But the, the most critical component within that is securing work placements because this is, it's been proven, I can't tell you where it's been proven, I can't tell you where the statistics come from, Andy, but it has been proven that the experience that a young person receives of the workplace is, is the most critical factor in what shapes their aspirations, right? If, if our students that are embarking on a two-year programme, four years, right, if they start with us at 14, if they don't get to see a data centre, if they don't get to smell it, see it, taste it, touch it, it's, it's going to remain an abstract concept and all they'll ever really see is, you know, a very nondescript, you know, large building that could have a football stadium in it. Um, this is really important. So far, you know, we haven't started scheduling work placements. That's, uh, I think we're leaving that till after Christmas, aren't we, Candace? We've done enough scheduling for this term, but as from January, we will be uh, securing those work placements, going through the security clearance processes to make sure our kids are getting that experience that they need that's going to help them understand that data centres are one of the coolest places to work. Right? It's a difficult sell, Andy, right? It's not like building, you know, a Royal Navy gunship or building a Rolls-Royce car, which is very, you know, it's very tactile. It's, very, it's a very visceral type of engineering, okay? Data centres, you know, we've got to put in the hard yards. We've got to prove that we can build this programme that's going to deliver us 150 engineering students a year. And that's our vision. Uh, so, you know, Mike, all the other guys from industry, you know, this is what they're all helping to achieve, to build that blueprint that we're then going to be able to deliver, you know, a ready-made solution. This is how you, this is how we solve that skills gap. Uh, Mike, I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure you'd love to add on that. Yeah, I was just, um, I was just some of the experience I had from the students during the um during the challenge day was um, why we were doing this challenge. Some of the students were actually doing their own SketchUp designs, a cold aisle containment, um, you know, that, that, the data hall. And they were doing it on SketchUp as we were as we were doing it. And I must admit, I was just the thought immediately, I can't wait to get these guys into our CAD department for, for training. I think they could be of use to us now in many ways. So, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that, those first lots of uh, work experience and hopefully seeing the first of the... Um, Apprentices coming out the other end as well. Yeah, I think some excellent points there. I was kind of just listening and taking it all in, but to cover a few of them off, I think on your point, Mike, Mike Halliday, about it's a hard sell. We make it a hard sell. That's my view on it. And I think that's part of why this podcast exists because we make it a hard sell by not talking about it enough. We make it a hard sell by not doing data center tours. You know, yes, I totally understand that elements of data centers are, are, are secret and we can't enter them, but there's also elements of data centers where we can take people in and we can show them how they work and we can, you know, show them designs of buildings and, you know, where it comes from. I think the industry or the sector as a whole just kind of needs to get over this hurdle of it's a secret because it's not a secret. Elements of it are a secret and start telling the story a bit better. And I think what Virtus are doing by giving those children a tour I guarantee that those kids will absolutely love that. They'll be very passionate about the sector after it. They'll tell their friends about it and people will tell their parents about it and people will start to hear about it. But if we don't do that, I just have always said, how do you expect people to learn about it if you don't tell your story? And I could get on my soapbox, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a harsh reality, and I, but I think that that you know in in you in the UK, Andy, you know the government is is attempting to drive this, you know, on the the skills agenda, you know, whether it's part of leveling up, whether it's part of their industrial strategy, industry is expected to do more. So for any of those industry players, and this has been uh, you know mentioned in a couple of conversations I've had in this industry. For those players that are at all concerned about, you know, government's uh, perception of them, you know, there does, you know, there are lots of different drivers to this, right? There's the skills agenda, but there's a lot of politics involved as well. You know, everyone's got to put their best foot forward and make it happen. You know, we have, unfortunately, technical education in the UK uh, has taken a number of hits. You know, over the last 50 years, I was very fortunate to, to hear Lord Baker uh giving a talk on Tuesday afternoon at the House of Lords he was addressing all of the principals of the university technical colleges to thank them for their good work because these guys are flying the flag for technical education in the face of you know traditional curriculum being being uh, mandated and and we need to do everything that we can as as industries you know to ensure that technical education doesn't just survive, but that it thrives. You know, we have a responsibility to do this because I think we've, you know, politically over, over many years, we've been focused an awful, an awful lot on the service economy. But actually, you know, there's a lot of in, incredible businesses and industries in the UK that are in desperate need of a very, very high quality, world-class talent pipeline. And this is what UTCs do. There's only 48 of us. We're only educating 17,000 students, right? That's got to grow. Uh, and an industry is, uh, you know, is our champion for this, you know? And uh, with the best will in the world, Andy, if you were to look at our social media, it's probably got about 0.01% of the social media footprint that a CBRE or a, uh, or a Cyrus One has got, for example, you know. So, so we do need the help of industry to be going out there and flying the flag, and demonstrating to the policymakers that yes, they are doing what is needed, uh, and yes, they want to do it. Um, and you know, us guys in technical education are, you know, we are turning from a cottage industry into an industrialised force that, that's helping industry to galvanise and uh, and to push forward. So. It's exciting times, you know. It's exciting times, but we'll never be doing enough. We'll never be doing enough, Andy. That's the uh, that's the reality, I think. And I think that's the that's the common challenge of any skill shortage. You know, like I've been in recruitment in engineering for twenty two years, I think, and there's always been a skill shortage. That's never ever changed. I think what happens, and you mentioned it earlier about you're competing with other sectors, and I think that's a really good point to make as well because. The data center industry does have this perception that, you know, we can just get them from other industries. But like, It's not as easy as that. You've got to have a reason to move industry. Even, you know, yes, we're busy, but so is manufacturing, you know, so is pharmaceutical, so is R&D. You can't just assume that people will jump. But I think the collaboration is important. The change of people's mindsets is important. And I think what you're doing is great, in my opinion. It's just about... And I'm sure that the others will agree. It's just about getting that message out more. And like you say about your social media footprint and things like that, you know, you're solving a problem for someone else, in my opinion. So they should work with you to solve that problem. I, th I think from, from the wider digital infrastructure perspective, I think 
the the problem has become even more um more of an issue because we since bt finished their apprenticeship scheme some you know probably in the 80s and, and 90s and those apprentices stopped coming out of the industry that are you know that we were making use of um we sort of filled the gap with 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 foreign workers basically um and and had good value out of those guys but now they've really stopped coming we have we have no choice it it, it it's got to, it, it had to happen um we we couldn't do anything else about it because we've got no one to fill the gap anymore yeah and i think again i what i'm hearing and what i'm seeing is that the conversations are now more important to, to clients you know the clients are aware of us that we recruit for regularly you know we don't recruit at that entry level because it's it's just not a market from a recruitment perspective it's always done internally but they are all now asking me questions about you know how how can we get the message out there how can we attract more people what do we need to do and, and i think it's off the back of you know people like yourselves that are actually doing something it makes other people then start to talk about it one point i wanted to touch on as well that um you know you any of you can answer this one but you mentioned that some of the the children on the on the assessment day or the challenge day didn't know what a data center was by the end of the day were they really intrigued and interested in in the world of data centers um they kids so yes and no we we had the we we have a mixture of students which means we have a mixture of interests and yes so some were interested some did come to me and ask me some more questions etc but we do we did have some that it's like mm, you know and that's where the whole why it's a good thing for a winning team to go and visit the data center because if i'm being honest when we talk about a data center it doesn't sound exciting as mike said it's not build building a plane and that's that's a workshop that we do at school we have that's an extracurricular activity and the math students that sign up for that is fantastic because they're building a plane but we need to drive it more and we need to make it sound more interesting because i know it is interesting but theory wise i wouldn't say it is and that's why we need to have more practical elements when it comes to programs like this um Maybe sometime in the future, there could be regular trips to um, data centers. It doesn't have to have the full tour of the building, um, but, you know, they can actually see things. They can see all the elements of the data center because it's not just technical side. There's more to it. Um, and one of the activities that um, in another co-teach workshop was we had CNET training coming in to speak to um, our year 10s. And one of their activities was to research all the, the jobs in data center sectors, what the job description was, what, what is required, et cetera. Um, and the kids did, I'm going to say this because we spoke about this last week, but the kids' um, the eyes opened up to the salaries. <laughs> and I think that's the, the best part of um, working in the data center. But we still want them to have the passion to work there. Um, um, Paul Hood from Yonder, we um, mentioned that, you know, they, we, he, he had a couple of questions from students and he always reminded them that it, it's all about your attitude to learning. It's all about what you want to do because at the end of the day when you're when you're working that that is a major a majority of your life and you, you you need to know and like what you do and that's I think every time an employer from the digital futures program come in I always hear them say that to the kids and I actually really appreciate that they say that to them because 
I think when I was growing up, there was a big push to kind of know what you want to do straight away. And I think it's a little bit unfair to like us students or kids to pick something at the age of 13 so to set themselves up and um, I was talking to Mike Cook um, at an open evening we had and we meant always mentioned that sometimes you just fall into something and you realize oh this is actually really good do you know and it's there was no planning to it in terms of I want to be technical manager at so-and-so data center I need to do this x y and z no it's just I started off as a, an electrical apprentice, apprenticeship and then I moved up, moved up a little bit and then got to where they got to. And I think um, we had CBRE in just yesterday to speak to our year 12s about their apprenticeship schemes. And um, they're currently going to open up their level three apprenticeship scheme. The issue with that is, as a school, we do level three. And what was really nice of CBRE was to cater to explain the apprenticeship scheme and say, actually, you don't need to do the level three. You can actually come in and do the level four. Um, and then it was able to open up more doors for them. And it, most of the students didn't know that um, there was something called a HNC, a higher national certificate, which is what they were offering for those, their apprenticeships. And it's just, it's always good for the students to know that there's different pathways to different things. And Every time I speak to a student about their careers, they feel like there's only one way to get there. And I, I do find that a little bit sad. And I always try to push, like, you don't always have to go to university. There's there's apprenticeships. or And don't have to go to sixth form. There's apprenticeships too. But I like the kit when the students hear from the employers. Because when you speak to employers, they don't actually say, I did X, Y, and Z. It was just... I started off like this. I didn't know where I was going. It was just something I enjoyed at the time. And then it just progressed to something great. And that's what that's what I want the students to know, that if they have the drive and the passion to be successful with whatever they choose to do, it is possible. Um, and when we have like Mike Hook come in to speak to students, and I think when on the challenge day, when Mike did a, a quick Q&A with the students, um, he said that they were Googling him right there when they were asking him questions and stuff. And I'm sure that was quite enlightening for, for the students to say, oh, wow, like he's really successful. Yeah, I, I think that, that's part of it as well, is the fact that, um, you know, that these, these guys, to know that someone like them can, can be successful. And, you know, and these, you know the, the demographic for the school isn't the greatest in the world, but the quality of the, of the students there I thought was superb. It's really, really, I was a bit of an educational snob, to be honest with you. But... I, I would wouldn't you know I'd choose that for my son in a heartbeat now knowing knowing what I know, and uh, I think yeah the um is I think we have got to be competitive because as as you said at the beginning you know we we compete with far more glamorous industries here for engineering talent and we got to we got to we got we got to make more of our uh, of our of our offer so um yeah I I think it's really important to to to, to push on with this yeah, yeah that, that is a good point Mark I'm, I mean it is a very very competitive marketplace and. Uh, I, I did a bit of work with an oil and gas company two years ago, just just before the the, the big uh, lockdown, and um, we we had worked with them for two years, but uh, they decided right to stop working with us, and this was because uh, a number of our students turned up for interview with them, right, and were head and shoulders above everyone else, were offered degree apprenticeships, right, 
So um, this uh, partner that shall remain nameless, I thought, happy days, job done. We've secured the talent we want, offered them the places, and the students declined them because they were, you know, if you're a good engineering student, you have choice, you know, and what you, and the only way to combat that, right, is to ensure that that young person at the age of 18 already has built a sense of loyalty with you as a potential employer because you've invested in their education, you've built a relationship, you've earned their trust and their regard, okay? And these young people already know where they want to work. What they really what they really need is how do I get there? What skills do I need? You know, my his colleagues from industry are the guys that are going to be giving these kids the skills. So Candace, you know, talked about the co-teach projects. What the Digital Futures Programme is doing is bringing that curriculum to life. So the kids, particularly the older kids, age 16 to 18, they're going to be undertaking a minimum of 10 projects led by industry partners that are teaching them all manner of things, right? All manner of things. So I've got the list in front of me, Andy. I won't bore you to death. But they're going to be doing uh, three-phase electrical systems projects with Yonder and AWS, Right, they're going to be doing uh, engineering processes with CBRE. Uh, CBRE are going to pick up another one. We know they are. Cyrus One are doing uh, mechanical behaviour of metallic materials. Uh, and Arc Data Centres um, are doing a, a seriously long project on energy management. Right, so this is the future. Right, every data centre that's going to be designed, built, and operated. It's got to become more and more efficient. It's got to be sustainable. And these kids are getting to learn about this from the age of 16. This is what we need. This is what education has to look like. Um, you know, we're, we all understand we have a very, very steep learning curve ahead of us. But the goal is, and uh, I line manage candidates, right? So every week I say to her, don't worry, in a year, you're going to be 10 times better than you are today. And today, candidates is 10 times better than she was in July when she started. And, you know, it's exactly the same about all of us, right? We want to develop. We want this program to mature and to and to evolve and to be agile and to respond to the, you know, the skills needs of industry. So it's already a tremendous start. Um, and uh, I think we're all loving being part of it, you know. It's more than just about work. We've all got a common purpose that's, that's uh, bringing us all together and it just feels like the right thing to do. I'm sure Mike would echo that from an industry perspective. Yeah, definitely, 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 Mike. Yeah. I think it's very clear you're all very passionate about it, and that's you know, passion takes you a long way, doesn't it? I think, and like you know, like you mentioned about attitude, that takes you a long way as well. And I think one thing I'll say before we wrap up, because we could probably talk about this all day, is you know, Candace mentioned that you know people fall into this sector, and you know, they come from all different backgrounds. I've interviewed and I've been lucky enough to interview some CEOs of some of the biggest data center providers and operators in the world and some of the clients that are on your program as well. And nearly every single one of them fell into the sector and a high level of them came through an apprenticeship scheme. And these people are now running and operating multi-billion dollar or multi-billion pound businesses. So if that doesn't tell you what you can achieve with the right attitude, with a technical education, et cetera, then I, I don't know what will. So if any of them want to listen to any of the previous episodes, I'm plugging myself, it's definitely worth it because I one of the reasons I did it was to show them different career opportunities in the sector. And I was pretty blinkered with regards to 
where people came from and what their background was. And that's why I always start with how they started in the industry, because it amazes me today that I can talk to a CEO who's in his 30s who started with an apprenticeship when he was 16. And I think the world is changing. I think people's attitude is going back towards the apprenticeship scheme and hopefully programs like yourself and using these role models in the industry to demonstrate what can be achieved, we will see an influx of, of people into the sector over the next sort of two to five years. Finish up, I ask everyone one question. I've changed it slightly because if I asked you all that one question, it would probably take us another 20 minutes. So um, short answers, please. But why should a young person consider the data centre sector for a career? Start with Candace. Okay. Um, I gave I, you the least thinking time, so I'll just talk while you think. <laughs> <laughs> so coming in um, as an employee engagement and um, starting off this project with Mike, I didn't know about the data centre and I'm, I'm also learning alongside the students. And I think why they should join is because it's so such a broad um, career. Um, there is room for growth. Um, once you've got your foot in the door, you, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're set. And as long as, you, you know, you like what you're doing, um, I always push that. If you like what you're doing, you should always go for it. And I feel like with the data centre, because it's, there's so much different responsibilities and different activities going on um, and different tasks and stuff like that, it, it, it works. And for students, that's what they need. Um, and as they grow and the industry grows and the, the technology grows, that's where our world is going and they should always get into something where there is growth. Good pitch. <laughs> Mike Halliday? If I'd known when I was 16, there was an opportunity for a career that I could do anywhere in the world that would pay me a load of money, uh, in a, in a sector that seems to be recession-proof, right, I would be in that career now. And that's why I think data centres are a great choice for you. I agree. So would I. <laughs> now, and I look back on that point. I look back, you know, I'm 43, I think. I always forget how old I am. I'm 43. So when I was at school, I was pushed into the university route. And, you know, that was, that was the route everybody took. But you didn't really know. You weren't aware about great careers in engineering. And I think it's really wrong that the education went that way. And as I say, hopefully it's switching back. But, but I agree. If I knew what I know now, I know what sector and, and what career I, I would be in. Mike Hook? Yeah, I, I saw just to echo that, really. It's the longevity of the data centre industry. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, is it? It's only going to grow. And so, and the potential for career career development is unlimited. So, why wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah, that's the question, is it? And on the growth, you know, I was reading the Uptime Institute report earlier because I'm a bit bit boring like that, and it said that yeah, they're looking for an extra what is it, two point five million employees by 2025, an extra half a million over the next five years. That's just based on you know growth in the industry. You then add into that people leaving the industry, you know. Um, the industry growing again, having another growth spurt. There's so many opportunities coming up in the next five to 10 years that if you can get into it now or, you know, start your training now, you will expedite your career faster than a lot of your, you know, colleagues or, or associates at your level because the, the sector just is going to grow and it needs more people. So get into it now and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully some of your 
people on your course can be a guest on my podcast in in a few years and tell us about their career in, in the sector. That would be great. Thanks for all your time today. I've loved that chat. We could talk all day. I think it's great what you're doing and hopefully by sharing it, you know, more people will, will be aware of the programme and also hopefully you'll get some new partners to work with. I'm assuming you're all happy for people to reach out to you directly if they've got any questions or want to learn more about the programme. Sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. If any, if any uh, companies want to uh, become a partner, just connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, and we'll push that as well, you know. So connect with Mike Halliday on LinkedIn if you want to be a partner and or ask me and I'll put you in touch if that's easier. Okay. Thanks for your time. I'll leave you to it. Have a great rest of your day and, and good luck with what you're doing and, and we can all catch up again soon. Thank Thanks, you. Andy. Andy. Love you. Cheers. Chat.